Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. And I guess we're still technically the Prospects show, and we've talked about this before, but there's been no prospects all year, other than the guys that get called up from the alternate site or the guys hidden away at the alternate site, looking at you, Mackenzie Gore. But in probably the greatest series, I don't think it's a stretch to say, the greatest series of my adult life, the Padres came back from 01 to beat the St. Louis Cardinals, thank God, because I couldn't handle another Cardinals series defeat in the postseason. Game two, probably the greatest single game in my adult life for the Padres. I don't know how you get any better than that. Down 4-0 to start the game. I think we all looked around at each other. I was with a couple friends watching the game, friends who have been there with me every step of the way in the Padres' history of losing. And we've seen this story before. We were together when we watched Game 163 in Colorado. Uh, watching that game on TV, obviously not in Colorado, but that uh, 2010 when they lost that, or they they had that streak of losing at the end of the season to just miss the playoffs. Um, the playoff game in 07, I, w- I went to one of those games when they're playing the Cardinals. I'm just so sick of the Cardinals, and I think everybody watching. Uh, I've noticed a lot of people. I I don't know. I, I guess I don't interact with that many people on Twitter, but. The stuff I do read on Twitter is people complaining about, I mean, from the non-Padres perspective, people complaining about how annoying Padre fans are. And rightfully so. Padre fans can be a little irritating and a little brazen. And, you know, what have you guys ever won before? Yeah, we haven't won shit. That's why we're excited. Get off my back about it. But I can understand why some people that aren't from here would be irritated by Padre fans. Good. Deal with it. Um, but the, the, the slurping of the Cardinals and the... Ugh, the Yadier, Mer- Yadier Molina love just every any play that Yadi did in that game was slurped up by uh, the great Rick Sutcliffe. So Rick Sutcliffe, uh, love that dude. And if you if you haven't in a while, I do this about once a year. Is I treat myself to the video of Rick Sutcliffe hammered on air talking about Matt Vaskersian at a Potter game. So treat yourself. Go rewatch that. It's good stuff. It's on YouTube. Just type in. Rick Sutcliffe drunk. It was an amazing, this is an amazing series. The best series we've ever had with the best game being game two we've ever had. And then somehow scraping it together for game three with a bullpen that's exhausted. We're starting Chris Stammen, Craig Stammen, uh, who nobody had any confidence in. Luis Patino, I was really worried about. He, I mean, the defense made things interesting there for him. The bullpen put it together. Nine innings of shutout baseball from the bullpen. It was in, it's insane. It's it's got to be the the most exciting moment in Padres fans history in the last since '98. I guess it ha- it has to be. And if you're if you're under forty, the Padres haven't been this good or this exciting or gone this deep into the playoffs since you've been an adult. So. That would be me. Um, 
un- unreal. And the celebrations outside Petco for the fa- for the players interacting with the players after the game um, as the team is going to the bus and the police escort, all that excitement and energy downtown. Since the pandemic, we haven't seen any kind of thing, anything close to this. So that was, I know it's, it's COVID-19 rules. It's a different world than we were in um, than before the pandemic started. You got to be careful out there, guys. It, I know some of you are wearing masks, masks, but uh, that that's I don't know I get I get the energy and the excitement. It's great, and it's, the players loved it. And the players, you see them on Twitter talking about how appreciative they are of the fans. It's got to be careful out there. I don't do do your celebrations, do anything you got to do, um, but just know that uh, you're you are at risk when you're out there doing that kind of stuff. So I love it. Um, I wasn't out there. I wish I could have been. If I was in the area. I still don't think I would have gone out just because I don't want to be in a crowd that big, but I'd be blasting my car horn or my air horn or whatever I had, but not downtown. Anyway, this week on the show, we're going to be talking about the Cardinal series. We're bringing in Dodger Dustin to get jacked up for the Dodger series, which, you know, we just finished the most exciting series in the last 20 years. We're now heading into the Next, we're already passing it. The next most exciting series in our history, last 20 years. So talking to Dr. Dustin, and then we are going to get an interview with one Clay Hensley. So talk to Clay after game one. So feeling a little down, but talk to him about a bunch of other stuff. So we talked about his time with the Padres, what he's been up to, um, what's going on with specifically some of our pitchers, and then just kind of shooting the shit with Clay Hensley. Really enjoyed talking to him, and I think you guys will enjoy listening to Clay as well. We're definitely going to have to get him back on the show. So first, here's our sponsor, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be on in on the action at bet online from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online and there's always the online casino as well it never closes uh, i loved the patriots this week i think getting seven points against the chiefs and then cam newton gets COVID. like the, the COVID stuff could be killing a lot of bets this year watch out for those COVID games um, I would just stay away from that. Well, the Chiefs line could move a ton. Anyway, I would probably just stay away from it. Go to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get into the rest of the show. We've got Dodger Dustin up first. No Wade this week. Dodger Dustin instead. Got the Dodgers... Going to going to Texas to play the Dodgers. God damn it. That's could have been such a fun series. I'm pissed. And we're gonna to talk to Dustin about that. And then uh, we'll get to Clay Hensley afterwards. But uh, let's get in Dustin. All right, Dustin, it happened. It finally happened. Were you watching? The Marlins I... advanced. I see what you did there. Beat the Cubs <laughs> again. Bartman was trending on Twitter for no reason. 
And uh, I'm I was rooting for the. I mean, I hate Derek Jeter, and I think he's basically been a crook since he joined the Marlins. I think you shouldn't be allowed to not be a crook if you don't pay anything to buy into a team and then pay yourself $5 million a year to run the team into the ground. But anyway, I love that this team is in the playoffs and winning. It's hilarious. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's kind of terrifying just because of like, <laughs> there's those things in life, which you don't believe, but you still like, don't not believe enough to like totally throw away. Donald and, like, Trump's the, our president. Is that what you're referring to? When they make the playoffs. They win the world series thing. It's yeah. like, <laughs> Mostly you don't care, but then you see them actually sweep the Cubs, and you're like, oh, fuck. Sweep. <laughs> two two games sweep. Uh, I've had a tough time yeah, I, justifying that sweep. It's just into, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Sweep, it technically- the, sweep, the term sweep, like, is embarrassing for the other team. So it has to be more games than two. It is. And the Cubs, like, Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez went 0 for 12 in that final game. Pretty funny. That is funny. I was telling, I was talking to my friends about it. I was like, do you hear that sound? That was the sound of the Cubs window getting slammed shut. I think that's it for the Cubs. Well, also, they're like, I saw a stat yesterday that since the World Series, they're like just about the worst playoff team in history. <laughs> and like, it's just so funny that they did win a World Series, but then they actually became more Cubs than ever. They've never lost a series in the postseason. In their entire history. The Marlins? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> the only it's times they've gone to the World Series, the playoffs were two other times they won the World Series. And then this this year, they haven't lost yet. 2003, they were actually stacked because that was before Dontrell Willis fell apart. They had uh, they had Beckett. They had uh, Miguel Cabrera, young Miguel Cabrera. They were pretty AJ stacked. Burnett. Yeah. AJ Burnett. I feel like 97 was closer to like this year. Well, that was Kevin Brown. He was on that team. That's true. And was that did they have Pudge Rodriguez at the time? I don't know. I'd have to look. That. I didn't prepare. I, I was joking about the Marlins, Actually, and we, you and I just went off on the Marlins for five minutes. Well, kind of, I couldn't end up help but end up here. They had a rookie Gary Sheffield. They had Moises Alou. They had Bobby Bonilla. No, he didn't have rookie Gary Sheffield. He came up with the Padres. Oh, he did. He, he must have just been bad that year, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I saw him um, hit, like yeah. Anyways, go on. We're get we're getting what we wanted for. We've been we've been. Hoping and kind of thinking this would happen for the last year, Padres Dodgers playoffs. Yeah, that uh, never never happened before. It's nuts. It is nuts. I'm not thrilled about it purely in terms of like I just think it's insane. I hate I hate the the way they do the standings now. It bothers me so much. You didn't get reseeded playoffs. Is that what you mean? Or just no? I don't think the Padres should have been the four seed. Well, oh yeah, that too. Well, the division, like, yeah. You, well, I divisions are dumb. Don't get me started on how dumb divisions are. But it doesn't matter any now, anyways. And like the, it mattering for seeding is just that's got to go away. Yeah, the second best team gets the four seed. Yeah, and like maybe the third best team in baseball. So like as the Dodgers, it's like very frustrating that you're like by far the best team in baseball. Or it, and then with like the Rays maybe only being the other contender, and then you get maybe the third best team in baseball in the second round. Are you sick? Well, I'm sick of this. Uh, Tim Kirkshane goes on TV. I feel like every 30 minutes and talks about how the Dodgers had the most runs scored and the fewest or the lowest ERA in baseball. And they're the last team. The last team to do that was like a hundred years ago or something. Does Tim Kirkshane know it was a 60 game season? I, it's a good question. There's, <laughs> He was pissing me off the other day on TV in general. I thought the I think the announcing overall has been just awful. 
Well, it sucks, but also <laughs> you have to remember that they're watching it in a small room with like a couple monitors or watching it like we're watching it. And yet, how are they still not seeing what I'm seeing? So that's interesting too. That's true. I think baseball's got a problem that no other sport has. It's by every sport changing just as much, which is that I don't even care if I agree with you. Nobody wants to just listen to you talk about how new, how the way the game has changed sucks the entire time. <laughs> like that's literally some of these guys, that's all they do is they talk about how they don't agree with what's happening. It's like, Okay, we get it. Even if you agree, it's just like a miserable thing to listen to the whole time. They're trying to be uh, the the Jeff Van Gundy of baseball, and it's not working. Jeff Van Gundy is endearing and funny and really smart. And, and also, yeah, I was going to say, he has genuinely good insight a lot of the time. Yeah, these guys just sound like the game passed them by, and that's because the game just passed them by. Yeah, or like Smoltz, I think, is smart, but I, I haven't heard him yet this year. I don't, I don't know where he's been, but Smoltz, I think, is smart, but... Also very guilty of the same thing. So he's kind of in the middle, but like, oh my God, he just like, I remember the Dodgers Brewers series, which was a miserable series, but like he just yelled at both teams the whole series. Like, dude, this isn't fun. <laughs> um, Padres Dodgers, you're not going in. Think, are, are the Dodgers? I mean, I think a lot of Dodger people are sick of the Padres. What, what's your scale of uh, I'm tired of this shit uh, with regards to Padres and Padre fans? Uh, it's like, you know, obviously it got like a little chippy when it got going. Isn't that a good thing? I think chippiness yeah, is I really think good. Yeah, fans don't mind it. Like, it's fun to have another team. I think it, mostly people are frustrated. I think not almost everybody I talk to, which obviously is only so many people, but like still thinks the Padres are like a scary team. And I think there's a lot of frustration that we're playing you guys already. I think that... Uh, but mostly Dodger fans are pretty insular as far as like the idea that we're good enough to win the World Series every year. And it really just comes down to us and whether or not we can like stop being us. <laughs> That's like the main storyline on everybody's head. Because like we're, we're so by far clearly like deserving of a World Series at some point and then probably the best team in baseball over a certain span that like it just feels like it comes down to like, can we actually be that good when it matters? Yeah, when does fatigue during the like we kind of see this with LeBron teams? I don't know why I'm doing this right now because I hate LeBron and I hate you for liking LeBron. <laughs> but historically, LeBron teams, uh, I guess later in his late late career for LeBron, he starts to like not give a shit about the regular season because their teams they're just gonna be in the final. They know they're gonna be in the finals or make a run at the finals. So like, why do we need to bust our ass? For these yeah. games in the Dodgers who aren't going anywhere, they have they have all these stars locked up long term. They're not old yet. Um, they're not going anywhere. And they and if they get to the postseason, they, they've lost the last few years. So you kind of wonder about their urgency level during the regular season. And if they lose again this year, how many years can we keep doing the thing where I'm speaking from a Dodgers players perspective? Like how, how many years are we in a row? Are we just going to be the best team in baseball and then lose in the playoffs? Like I'm going to lose all interest in the regular season. It's a great question. <laughs> we were, I'll say 2018, we really weren't. I actually think we were a pretty undeserving World Series team that year, but it was just a weekend L. It can hurt you. Last it, year, losing we, can pile up on you. This can hurt. If you oh, keep losing, sure. like it's not going to, it's not, you can't just assume you're going to be in the World Series every year. I think that I've talked about this with a few people actually, which is that going into the season, there was like a strong sense of both like fatigue. And just kind of like sadness. And then two things changed the narrative in really useful ways. And they were 
the Astros cheating scandal like took the sadness and made it anger, which is like much better. Because uh, yeah. now instead of just being like pathetic, we felt cheated, which because we were. <laughs> and then the bet trade happened, and like those two things made people feel way less like you're talking about. Uh, but I think that still, when you get to the, the Dodgers, are in the position that, as you said, LeBron's kind of in, where like the simple fact is he can't win anything until the finals. Like there's no version, there's no good season for the Dodgers, and there's no good season for LeBron that isn't a championship. Which is funny because you haven't won a championship since you've been alive, right? And like that's but that's what happens when you win the division eight straight years and you win over a hundred games. Yeah, multiple years. You're you're the Braves who actually did get one World Series, but you kind of turn into the Braves. You just oh cool, you win the division every year, but no one outside of Atlanta really cared that you won the division all those years. And then the no, same I with the Buff- the Buffalo Bills. Braves, like, if anything, are like so synonymous with this idea of like being the best team not to win it. Yeah, like, and then they finally. What's what's weird is that like the year they finally won it was a really choppy year because of the strike and all that, and like that has some parallels to now. But I think like what's funny is I think going in, every Dodger fan was a little, little wary of the idea of like whether this would quote unquote count. And I've been impressed with how little people care as time goes on because they're just like, you know, what? we want sports. We're not going to sit here watching sports and say actually these sports are bad because it's still so much better than not sports. Yeah. <laughs> um. And like baseball is a little different. Basketball, I think it helped that the quality of play was so high. Baseball, because the season was so short, it was a little more hokey. But at the end of the day, it's just like I think that <laughs> like everybody will take it at this point. And I think it was- it's huge. There were no stoppages or no. Well, they they came close to losing a few teams with outbreaks and stuff. But the Cardinals made the playoffs, so that argument kind of goes out the window. Yeah. It's huge that there was no like big outbreak that stopped any part of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the, always the worry in every sport is like, what if you lose the best team and whatever does happen feels irrelevant, kind of. Uh, and also, I just think in all sports, like players, once they're in the game, they're like, they care. <laughs> the, the idea that like they, they would not care yeah. is uh, has been overblown. I think generally the quality of play and urgency has been really high in every sport. And the more I thought about it, it's like we were worried that because there's no fans and stuff, they wouldn't care. In reality, they have the least to do other than play in their entire lives. Like, why wouldn't they put it all on the line out on the field? They can't do anything else with their life right now. I, I The only thing I can think of is that they just, if you have a young family, you don't want to put them at risk or you don't want to be away from them for too long. No, I'm just, yeah, but I'm just saying like the urgency once on the field. But yeah. Oh, on the, yeah, that too. Yeah. Like I'm saying, like, especially the basketball players because they were in the bubble. It was like people were worried about the quality of play and then generally the quality of play has been considered higher. And I know GMs talk to the league about having less travel because the, the like main belief is that the quality of play was higher because there was no travel. But also it's like these guys are so bored to like to not give to not be engaged with the game would be such a waste. It's the only thing you can do. Why are we doing baseball bubbles now when it seems like there's only a couple teams left and they could just we've been doing our home ballparks all year. Why did we switch to bubbles? It's a great question. <laughs> You'd have to get in to have to try to understand why baseball does anything they do, though. Which so is- 30, 30 teams. OK, everybody play at home. We're down to eight. OK, bubble time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's insane. Uh, I. I <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting because just like a week ago, 
I was wondering whether the NBA w- regrets doing the bubble because they spend so much money on it. And then baseball and football generally got their shit together. But now with what's happening to football in the last week, we're kind of back to feeling like basketball is the only one who had it right. Yeah, just do the bubble from the beginning. I, I mean, it's yeah. a little harder with baseball because the there's field so is so much players. bigger. There's more players. And then there's field maintenance that goes along with it, too. Basketball, you get off the court, you can start another game theoretically in like 10 minutes. Just, you know, you get your stuff on the bench and then you get ready to go. Like you play basketball tournaments growing up. You, you all play on one court. Baseball, right. you can't. It's not quite as easy as that. Yeah, but flip side is that baseball, the facilities exist. Like we had basketball to take over Disney, but baseball supports half the league in two different places. Yeah. Every year. The problem was (laughs) the problem is fitting all the games in Arizona like you could do it, but the weather was going to be really bad because you'd have to play during the day. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And like that comes along with like that we're playing the playoffs in October uh, or that we're playing or no, that that's normal. But like, well, that's been a general concept is that the playoffs go so much later than they used to. They go into November now and you get some of these just like some you just get like heat at the beginning of the playoffs and then you get like rain in the World Series. It's so fucking weird. But <laughs> uh, back to back to Dodgers Padres for a second. Um, from a Padres perspective, we wanted this really badly and well, beating the Cardinals was the first step, but we wanted the we wanted the Dodgers. And it looks like there's going to be a chance for Clevenger and Lamette to play. If they don't, yeah, I feel like you get the us against the world mentality, the kind of the Ewing effect. You're a Ewing effect guy where maybe you, you're missing your best player and the rest of the team rises up. Um, there were so game three, Cardinals Padres, there was so much pressure on the bullpen to perform well. And I think everyone was just a little more alert. Everyone felt a little more responsibility. Guys who were not expected to do much during the series all of a sudden were thrown all this responsibility and kind of rose up to the challenge. And if we get Clevenger Lamette, great. Now we have our our horses and they're feeling extra confident. If they don't, hey, we just beat the Cardinals. Let's go fucking do it again. From the Dodgers, you're scared to face Lamette and Clevenger, or or you and you're also scared, I don't know, to face a pottery team that's as, as hot as they've been all season. We're like, what are you looking at in this series um, in terms of things that concern you? What parts of the Padres' health or non-health are concerning as well? So I was less comforted by the idea of like Clevenger and Lamette being out as some people just because I think baseball, the pitching in the playoffs has become so different than the regular season. Once you start being able to match people up uh, and like pitch everybody like to their kind of like to their arms possible. And it just like, it changes. And also I just feel like this comes back to the idea I was talking about before, where I feel like the Dodgers hitting is so supposedly supposed to be so good is so good. And then also is capable of looking so bad in the playoffs that I just kind of feel like it comes down to the Dodgers a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Like it Look, just, like it just did where like, even though they went beat the Brewers in two, they scored seven runs in the two games. That's not a great look. Yeah. I give you that. No, no, exactly what we were all worried about, which is that like everybody, but Mookie kind of still didn't feel like a gamer, but like what scares me is that the Padres hitters are just so electric. Um, yeah. Even without Clevenger Lamette, the bats were there and the Padres could give up five or six runs a game and they, they kind of expect to score more than that. Yeah, and just like emotionally, I feel like we bring in so much baggage while you guys are just kind of playing with house money, but also like very excited about where things are going. 
you know, obviously that can flip and it can become an experience versus no experience thing very quickly. Yeah. People probably just say either was true depending on the result. But it's the uh, yeah, it's outcome based. <laughs> yeah, time. as a Dodger fan, I feel like the baggage is the worst thing. Just because I feel like I've seen it affect us so many times where things start going wrong. And then especially as the hitters start striking out in the playoffs and then it just feels like whatever they did in the regular season doesn't matter. They're like the Dodgers in the playoffs again. You have to be scared as a fan of and I guess even if you're on the Dodgers, you have to be scared of the house money factor. And I was ta- I asked uh, I'm talking to Clay Hensley after I talk with you. Clay Hensley uh, said that the house money thing for a player on the Padres is it really a thing? And that's kind of what you would expect a former player to say. You, they don't consider we're playing with house money. Like these are the guys we have. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Player speak. Um, that's like the only player speak thing he kind of said during the whole interview. But I kind of get that you you don't want to you don't want to think you're playing with house money. But everyone else looking at this series, Padres are absolutely the underdogs. They absolutely are playing with house money. But they can absolutely absolutely win. And I think when you're the Dodgers, that kind of sucks. You're you're up against the wall here now. Yeah, I mean, I like, I think the house money, they don't have to consciously say, like, we are playing with house money. It's more the lack of the opposite, that they don't have all this weight and pressure that, like, they, yeah. could, they could lose and just be like, well, this was just the beginning anyways, which doesn't always work out. We've seen countless teams in every sport be like, we're just getting started and then actually not make it back. But, like, it feels like with this Padres team, it is going to be that way. It feels like the Padres and Dodgers will be going at it for a long time. I mean, like I have a, I think almost every Dodger fan I know has a pretty healthy fear of the Padres. And it's really just like more again, that frustration of just thinking we earned the best record and ba- we had the best record in baseball only to match up with the second or third best team in round two, which is infuriating. But like, I think there's a lot of people who feel like, like this is the actual NLCS. I, the, the more animosity and chippiness we get from the series, I think the better. And that's what ESPN is kind of rooting for. I think everyone around baseball wants this to be the West Coast version of Yankees Red Sox. And I know that the Dodgers and the Giants have this history that goes back to New York, but they're not right next to each other. And Boston, New York, you have that like geographical rivalry, plus the fact that they were always the two best teams. If the Giants kind of fade and the Padres rise up and this becomes the new rivalry where we can drive to each other's place within two hours, that's, I think, the best scenario for baseball and for these two teams And even if the Padres are the little brother, you know, we get shit on. We've never won anything. Um, We get accused of playing dirty. We accuse you of playing dirty. I think that's all good for baseball. I agree. I think that it's also just going to happen because these are so by far the two most well-run teams in the division. Uh, I think possibly the National League, too. The Braves are really good, but this is kind of the, the two in the National League. Yeah, the Braves are the third team I put in there for sure. Uh. I think in general, like kind of a feeling I've had for a while is that like very present rivalries are where like these teams have history with these players on the team and some chippiness like are so much better historical rivalries so much of the time. The actual. Oh, yeah. Care. Like they weren't there for <laughs> like in college is different because like you inherit so much. But like I just think like no Giants players like our mission is to beat the Dodgers. They're like, are we going to be in the baseball next year? Because like, <laughs> that whole team is like on the fringe. It's just like, it, I just think for a lot of the time with historical rivalries, you get the feeling the actual players, it doesn't mean that much to. This is, happens to the Lakers and Celtics all the time. We're like, no Lakers and Celtics players will actually care. The only difference there is, yeah, the, you don't feel that between the players, but you definitely feel it between the fans. Yeah, and that's why this year is maybe more than ever, because the fans are who can kind of take it to the next level. 
it is really fun when the two things line up, like when the Dod- when the Lakers and Celtics finally did have a legit rivalry, it felt better because it was also playing into history. But Dodgers and Padres, in my mind, have a history, in Dodgers fans at least, because like you guys kind of tortured us in the 90s. Yeah, they, there were some good Padre teams in the 90s. 96, they were a postseason team clinched in Dodger Stadium. Your brother remembers on the last in the last series he went to all uh, three games that's why he remembers it well <laughs> we needed one win for the division and we lost all three games <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get him on the uh, podcast to talk yeah, about yeah i know he like, wants to my childhood you guys were pretty good i know like before and after it hasn't always been the best but through most of my like main year young years like they were always just so good pitching going like what from kevin like all the way up to like jake Peavy and chris young yeah, and even after PV was gone, they just kind of would find pitchers like I don't know Aaron Harang came in and had some good years. Uh, they just they were just fine. That was what they were known for was finding pitchers and building a bullpen. And then they were they would always kind of be up up until like 2000, basically until 2010. They were just kind of a a frisky team, not ever really that great. Would would get close to the playoffs, would maybe sneak into the playoffs, and then after 2010, um, they kind of started falling apart. And then they had you know the last. 10 years have been kind of rebuilding. Yeah, it's it's actually funny. I was thinking back like to you telling me because I remember they made all those trades in 2015 and you were telling me the theory behind them. And I was ah. like, this has been like a very long process. <laughs> I forgot about uh, Yeah, I, so it's been a five-year, six-year process. Because I remember you telling me part of the reason they trade for all those veterans is because they were like selling high on prospects that they didn't have as valuated as high, which like, checked out pretty well it did the only one they looked like they've missed on was max freed and he only kind of emerged last year and this year and that's because he's had so many injuries so he could still fall apart at any time max freed looks great but you know pitching but like the idea that he came in and was like well we're supposed to have a top five farm system but we don't that totally checked out pretty much we yeah we kind of did i think it was top 10 i don't know if it was top five but it was top 10 and a lot of those guys yeah, haven't done anything. Um, right. And then the, the the other trade that was pretty bad was the Will Myers three-team deal that sent Trey Turner away. I think you'd rather have Trey Turner than Will Myers. Oh, Although yeah. Will Myers has been he's great a this contributor, year. though, yeah. He's he's totally redeemed himself. He's making a lot of money, but is like the third or fourth best player on your team. I think that's the role he thrives in, and you've seen it this year. Yeah, he's always one of those guys where I feel like I'm still like scared he's going to put it together one year and be like, best player of baseball just once yeah i think that ship has kind of sailed but he's it does feel that way he was he was flirting with you know in a short season an mvp he was that good yeah and just like the way he when he, the how good it looks when he's right makes it yeah. feel that way. um which is like there's a couple yeah there's a few guys that are that way i feel like the uptons always used to be that way <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. but uh but um yeah it's been a long process but like it's crazy just like hey that this is now one other good well-run team in the nl west it's been such a poorly run division uh the giants just have like even though they won all those world series have like run that way of operating into the ground and now they like hired gabe kapler which is hilarious <laughs> but uh the, the diamondbacks like had multiple times where i thought they were going to be good for years and somehow screwed it up including trading max scherzer They've done a couple weird things. So they like went and traded or traded for Starling Marte and then immediately like traded him to the Marlins like the next two months later. They've done some weird stuff. They have Cattell Marte also. They were supposed to be pretty good this year. And then 
they they punted on the season really quickly. Yeah, which is like I think that's probably smart. I think the worst thing that the most of the teams in the NOS, except the Dodgers, who obviously have more money, do is like actually spend a lot of money to be okay often. Yeah. Like they should be like developing towards well, essentially what you guys did all the time. It's because tough to do though. If when you when you is. feel like you're close, like it's hard to just punt, and you don't want to ever do that. It, it some kind of spark has to happen, one way or the other, to make the decision for you, ideally. And right. for them, it was just kind of they were just being mediocre, and they decided, okay, we should trade Starling Marte. Even the Dodgers, like they were in that position where they were not very well run, but just spending a ton to be pretty good forever. Yeah. And it took an owner who stopped spending money to actually then actually turn it around when it got sold and become a well-run organization. So it just does take something. It is hard to get out of that pattern of like maxing out it pretty good, especially because you're making money. And the Giants, I'm not, I, I think the Giants in five years are going to be um, where the Padres were like two years ago. The team that's kind of full of really exciting young prospects and maybe you've seen a couple at the major league level and they're ready to compete soon and it just matter all that's going to matter is do they go out and do the thing that we did which was sign eric Hosmer and sign manny machado or do they take a different approach but i think they're going to be there in a few years they they've i think they're run really well now the new gm um farhan yeah farhan's made some really good moves and they've picked up some really good international players marco luciano i keep hearing about who's going to be the next top prospect in baseball and then some other guys as well but like why is mike stremsky still on the team why haven't they traded him yet is that th- there's some things they should be doing if you're gonna try to not be good and you're gonna try to accumulate talent like trading your th- your late blooming 30 year old all-star outfielder should be number one on the list yeah you would think so my the other question with them and this it might be changed a little bit by being kind of competitive this year but i'm just curious whether the follow-through the padres have a nice situation where it's like I mean, San Francisco fans are just very intense people. They're like the closest thing to East Coast fans. On we the hate them more than any other fans that come to San Diego. They're the yeah. worst. You're speaking my language. So, <laughs> but, but I wonder if they'll have the follow through to be bad for that long. Like I, or will, will it be a Philly situation where like, it's like trust the process and then Hickey gets fired halfway through the process? Giants fans to me are the fans that sit uh, with their like legs crossed with the white sweater wrapped around their neck, eating like a crab cake, like very snooty. I don't know where this came from. Maybe I was watching Wedding Crashers. Today. Yeah, it feels like a very like middle of the country concept of California. <laughs> they wear they wear boat shoes everywhere they go. Well, it's like um, it's like the garlic fries and wine at the stadium. Yes, they drink wine. I was going to get there. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's uh, what that's what I think of Giants fans. They're they're the most obnoxious group of people that. Come to Petco. I mean, yeah, you, I'm with you. I, I, <laughs> I, they golf clap when something goes their way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like here. I'm just curious because they're kind of in this middle of like the Dodgers had enough money to do both at the same time, and they they just out they built up the farm system and then just spent enough to be good while that was happening, and then the Padres just kind of like bit the bullet. The Giants don't have as much money as the Dodgers, and they're closer to having to bite the bullet. And I'm curious whether they can do it. What from? Well, we're we're taking up a lot of time, but we'll we'll get you out of here in just a few minutes. What do you what do you think is going to happen in this series? And then what are you most concerned about from a Dodgers fans' perspective? 
I haven't really thought about what I think is going to happen. I like Tuesday. We've got plenty of time to rest up all of our pitchers. It's just also, I'm so different with like the Dodgers and Lake Dodgers. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells, like with the baseball gods. Cause we've just had such bad luck over the years where the Lakers, I feel like things generally like break our way where it's just, it, it's just funny how your history is a franchise, but like, my like gut feel my 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 like head says that we're the best team in baseball playing every single day should actually make our depth matter more. But my heart says that like I've seen this where we play a slightly worse team that's like younger and full of energy a billion times. It always feels terrible. So, like, you know, I'm pretty scared. I would say I'm pretty 50 50 on it. I mean, I'm a little higher than 50 50 because I think we should win any series because we're that good. The way we hit in the first round really me out though that's not great if you have to if you run into any of our pitchers who are doing well that day then that's not going to cut it for you exactly and then that puts pressure on our pitchers and then that's where kenley and kershaw's kershaw really has his stuff i mean kenley just doesn't even have his stuff anymore yeah i was hearing all week that kenley jansen has been terrible the last year i didn't really watch a lot of the dodgers brewer series it was only two games but it was a pretty bad series um, and then coming into the playoffs kenley jansen's been kind of bad well, his cutter was down to like 88 too. And like, it was the thing with him is like, okay, then people say, well, it's more about the movement, but then he'd say it wasn't biting either. And there was only like four miles per hour difference between his slider and his, and his, uh, and his cutter, which is no good. The, but Roberts, what was interesting is seeing Roberts actually talk about that. Cause then also they threw Gratter all the next day. I think almost every Dodger fan would rather throw Gratter all, whether it actually makes sense. It's just so much more comforting to have somebody throw like 102 out there. But to come back to your original question, I really feel like this could go any which way. Like five game series, five game series. Yeah, I mean, my heart is like more in like the dread kind of area, just because of my history or history, and just because I think you guys have a shit ton of talent and you have you have a talent and attitude like cohesion, where like you have explosive talent and also like kind of an explosive approach, and just like I I, I like teams that have fun. I'm a believer in that. So I'm always kind of going to believe that pays off. I'm trying to figure out the the series line right now, um, betting line, and I'm not seeing it. I can get like World Series champion, American League and L champion. Dodgers are minus one twenty five right now. Padres plus three fifty to win the NL. I kind of like that plus three fifty. Um, yeah, here's the, are... the Braves. I guess that makes sense. I'm surprised. Yeah, that makes sense to just offer it on its own. I'm a little surprised they're even offering series odds. They well, are. I can't find the series of, odds. Padres plus 230, Dodgers minus 280, which okay. I think is too much. But it also might be because Dodgers are a little bit of a public team. But I'm surprised they're offering it with so much in the wind about your pitchers. I would bet on the Padres there just if you're a gambler and yeah. and think that I think Clevenger is going to pitch the series. I don't think you guys should be plus 230 against anybody. I think you're probably the third best team in baseball. So even if we're the best team, that's just too much. But that, I mean, they're definitely accounting for missing Lamette and Clevenger. They're trying to hedge there. I just kind of believe in, I mean, I guess the Nationals won it last year, but yeah. I just kind of believe in hitters more, which is such a flip, which is such a flip from like tradition. Yeah. But pitching, I pitching, pitching in the playoffs. The sport has went because of the way pitching is managed now in the playoffs. Like the Nationals bullpen was supposed to be such a weakness last year, but like it just gets so different in the playoffs. You just can ride the guy. You can just take people out with such short leashes and ride the guys who are playing well and essentially put people's like careers at risk. It's very hard to like take from the regular season exactly what 
a playoff like bullpen or overall staff will be. Whereas I feel like hitting is more stable. Like traditionally, obviously, it's more it's about the aces. But now it's like, can you be that team that throws eight pitchers and that's a good game? Well, some good news for you. It looks like Chris Paddock is going to start another game. I think Chris uh, Jace Tingler came out and said that Paddock will get at least another start. Yeah, so, he didn't great. <laughs> Paddock, something's wrong with Paddock, and nobody really knows what it is. Uh, there could be an injury we hear about after the season ends. Doesn't that always happen? The team gets eliminated, and then there's news that comes out like, oh, so and so was playing with an injury the whole time. We're here we're above the curtain or look behind the curtain. Yeah, my um, favorite is that they come out after losing, but yeah, like, no game with injury par- like injury paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> they go to the press conference in a walk. Just boot. a message across. Like LeBron had the most famous one of that, where he came out with the wrist, where he broke his broke his uh, hand. Oh, God, against oh. the Warriors, but after yeah. Game Five, he came out with the wrist uh, brace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, where was I going with that? You're going to get Paddock, which I think is good news for you because I think Paddock Paddock's broken right now, unfortunately. And if I'm the Padres, I'm managing him very carefully. He's going to go expect three or four innings at the most from him. And then they go to the bullpen. The bullpen is going to be very well rested going into this. Um, if Zach Davies is going game one, if God forbid Paddock's game one, but it, it could be Clevenger. I think um, if I were you, I would just assume it's going to be Clevenger until I'm told differently. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that makes sense. I think one thing I will say for on the Dodgers is like all year, Walker Buehler just like kind of was non-existent and he has started to look more like himself just at the right time. He did give up two runs the other day, but pitched like that, bat, that, bat, it, it looked better. And that helps a lot. When he and Kershaw are healthy, we, I feel like we don't hit them well. So I don't yeah, expect to be scoring 11. We had like a historic yeah. overall, I think we had a historic pitching ERA again shouldn't be compared to full seasons, but the point yeah. is obviously it was still like really good. The fact that Urias didn't make really the playoff rotation with like a three point one ERA was pretty amazing. Uh, if, I you, if I were you, also I would tell Max Muncie and Chris Taylor and Austin Barnes not to do anything to piss us off. No more, no more shenanigans from that group. I, I, yeah, I get. I don't really care about shenanigans. I care about like. Can like Cody Bellinger act like a great player? Well, the like, shenanigans is what gets is what gets the people going. That's that's what gets the whole team going. That's fine. Guys... Yeah, like if this series gets chippy, I generally like when the Dodgers are assertive. What bothers me is when they look like sad. You you're assertive, but also um, the old men pr- protecting the values of the game. That's not a good look for you guys either. Uh, well, I, yeah, and that's never a good look for anybody. The gatekeepers. After, especially after, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, God, the the Astros catcher. Braves Astros catcher. catcher? What? Braves catcher before that. Before, like. McCann? McCann, yeah. He was like the ultimate protector of the game for so yeah. long. And then he's passed it to the Dodgers. Cheating, part of the biggest cheating scandal in history. So like that officially killed it. <laughs> so you can steal signs using technology, but you can't take too long to get around the bases after a home run. Yeah, I, I always hated him, but boy, did I kick it up to another level. I see this game. <laughs> uh, I see this be, game, this series being very close as well. I think each game is going to be intense, and it could be. A four-game series could be a five-game series. Even if, you know, something weird happens and it ends earlier, I think each game is going to be 
like the Dodgers won the series this year versus the Padres during the regular season, but it felt like every game was, I, I know the Dodger fans are saying they didn't feel like playoff games, but for us, they all felt like playoff games. There was the game that ended on a throw at the plate. Um, oh yeah. The, like so many of those games ended, uh, closely we're like we're getting to Kenley Jansen we get runners on base and like you know and then and then lose by one or something um I, I just expect I to really <laughs> I I'm, I'm hoping a lot more I'm hoping to see a lot more of Kenley Jansen in the series and the Padres score late so yeah Kenley Jansen coming in with a three-run lead uh my my mouth will start to start to water I had a serious discussion the other day with a couple other fans of like whether we rather Give a one-run lead to Kenley or <laughs> the bottom of the ninth. Uh, that's <laughs> anyway, I think that's a legitimate question. I think that like also the Dodgers and Padres at least for now are like very within the realm of like sports hate, where it's like a good hate. It's like fun. I think it's been pretty fun. I think there's the loudest, uh, most illogical people on Twitter arguing about stuff are not fun. I don't like having those conversations anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, thirty. Yeah. You We're 32. I don't like having the Twitter, and that's true. <laughs> I don't like. Yeah, I don't. I don't like doing that anymore. Um, the, but I think generally, like compared to like the Astros, like especially obviously. But I just think it's more within the range of like, oh, it's fun to ha- have an actual rival in the division. And, like even when you hate them, it's like a good hate. It like makes it all more fun. It is. It is. I'm, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed the season against the Dodgers, and I think it's. This is one of the the biggest missed sports opportunities of our lives is not having this series at Petco at Dodger stadium and then getting a chance to go see each game. Like I could have gone up to LA, hung out with you for the night and gone to the game. And then one of us would hate each other afterwards and then vice versa in San Diego. Drink to drink to celebrate or drink to drown your sorrows. (laughs) It's it's so in like the NBA, it's such a similar thing where it's like the Dodgers and Lakers. I mean, the Lakers and Clippers might finally play. And it's not even in L.A. And then the Clippers couldn't even pull that off. But they went they went so Clippers. These are things we've been looking forward to forever. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. 2020 was a real kick in the dick. Um, I'm not happy about it. I would say like Dodgers Angels World Series is the other thing that could be like that. But the Angels um, literally can't make the playoffs with the best player in baseball history. Yeah, Very well, uh, when Trout joins the Padres, maybe we can get an NLCS Dodgers Padres and get Trout in that. Isn't Philly always been the rumor? Hasn't that always been the rumor if you were to leave? Um, I guess. Well, yeah, he he was born in New Jersey and grew up in Philly or some shit. I don't know. I think he likes being kind of anonymous. He's actually kind of said that. Like he he part of the reason he likes being an angel is he doesn't want to be the most famous <laughs> person ever. But like to me, it's like at some point you just have to be like, I'm the best player in baseball, and these guys can't even get me to a 16 team playoff. It's like uh, it's Kawhi Leonard syndrome where you're quiet and you don't want to be the leader and you want to kind of stick to yourself, but you also want to win. So by the time you're 30, like you better start doing the like being that leader. Like this is your team now. Baseball fan, you want Trout to be almost like more selfish. Just like get yourself out of there because people should get to watch what you're doing on the biggest stage. I kind of like the team they built, though. They just fired Billy Epler, but I like the prospects that have come up. I think Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, Luis Rangifo, um, Jared Walsh, like those are some really fun, exciting young players that are, that are really that are going to be good. And then they signed Anthony Rendon. Um, the pitching's been the problem, although Griffin Canning has looked really good. Dylan Bundy looked really good. I think it's a pretty good team. And over a bigger sample, I think they would have been contending for a playoff spot. They just need some pitching. 
Yeah, that's uh, that that uh, that seemed like a, the general opinion. I didn't watch a ton of them, but I still think that GM kind of deserved to be fired. It's been like such a mismatch five years. I didn't. I I've been on Team Epler for a while. I think he built a great farm system, and he's got some good talent at the major league level. And it just didn't work out this year. What are you going to do? AJ Preller. AJ Preller was in this position last year. Like you could have fired AJ Preller last year. Five years of not making the playoffs. Like that's the same thing Billy Epler's doing. You would know better than me, so I'll trust your opinion on that. I just feel like the Angels, like more la- the louder moves are just almost like never work out the way you want. Although Rendon was good this year, but like it just feels like every year they have so much, they have like so much wasted salary cap on the IR and like. Uh, but yeah, you you would know better than me if you did a good job. But I just would like to see them get involved just for Trout's sake. But interesting, we ended up on the Angels. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how we got there. Padres, Dodgers, give me your series prediction, games, everything. I'm going to go, I think, Dustin five. Padres in five? No, us, Dodgers. <laughs> uh, but once, it, yeah, I mean, I, I could see it either way. I do think, I just don't see one of the teams totally taking care of the other. I don't think either lineup will just lie, lie down like that. I don't think so either. And... I think the Padres, the the way they finished off the Cardinals is going to give them a lot of confidence going forward. It's it's all you could have hoped for. Um, and I think that we're also, I think we're going to see a five-game series. And I think, you know what? I'll see, Padres in five. There it is. It feels right for you to say that. It does. And I, 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 love the, like, I love the Rays in the American League, by the way. The Rays are sick. Yeah, and like I think that, this is actually, they played perfectly into what I was going to say is like, I think for you guys, one thing that's interesting is just the moment where I do think inexperience can really hit you is where like the crowd just hits full. We're going to try to get in this player's head mode and like that being removed does make it less of a weakness to be so young. And on the flip side for the Rays, it's like that was just always like they're playing against another player in the realm of they have no fans. (laughs) yet They go into like the best stadiums in baseball Uh, and that's gone for them. I do think that we could look back and feel like that really made a difference this year. I will be probably texting you at least after every game and then, you know, depending on what's going on during the game, possibly talking shit to you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm pumped. It's going to be fun. I wish it was next round instead of this one, but it's going to be fun. For sure. And uh, the championship for the Lakers this year doesn't count. You know that, right? Um, I know that you're desperate to push that narrative, so... Doesn't count. Anyway, Dustin, thanks for filling in this week. And maybe after the series, maybe in a couple of weeks, we can talk to you again about some stuff. Yeah, that'd be fun. I feel like after the series, we'll have something to talk about. Yeah, we'll see how I feel. And then we'll, okay. we'll put, some, we'll put something on like, the books. Only, so only I'm only going to come on if I'm upset. Yes. Got it. Cool. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Sounds good. Later. All right. Dodger Dustin. Appreciate you jumping on the call with us to uh, exchange some exchange, some shit talking about the Dodgers, I guess. Let's uh, get Clay Hensley here and then we'll get out for the week. What is uh, the way you want to be introduced? What are you doing? You're, it says you're a Fox analyst on Twitter, but is there like a specific show or something that you do? You know, I, I would probably uh, I don't I don't know how you would want to say like maybe just TV personality now. So I, I actually I got picked up by uh, Houston, um, the 
the network out here to do Astros games for this next season. And honestly, I've just been kind of like had a, I've had a lot of different whether it's uh, bloggers or um, even major networks or radio shows, whatever. They've kind of just been contacting me a lot lately. Kind of do shows here and there. Okay. I own a um, I own an oil and gas company, uh, like a trading commodities firm, like a uh, energy and stuff like that. So that's so I'm kind of super busy with that. But I do a lot of this, you know, TV stuff or radio stuff, kind of on the side. And you know, shit, man, it's fun. Uh, you know, getting to do some shows and stuff. But for this next season, I'm, I think we're gonna actually probably do close to probably 50 games or so uh, for Houston. And um, yeah, man, just trying to kind of stay involved with it. Okay, that's that sounds really cool. I, I didn't play. I am recording right now, so you know what I could do is just splice that answer in because that was a really good answer. If that's okay with you, I or think I, I dropped ask- the f bomb on there though. Oh, I didn't hear it. And if you did, that's fine. <laughs> I, I definitely, you know, I definitely did. And it's funny because yesterday I did a 1360. Oh, yeah. And we were talking and, uh, you know, just rapping with the guys. And sometimes I, I kind of when I start talking, I get a little like mumbly. And we were talking about like competitiveness. And uh, they were asking me about, you know, like Paddock and, you know, was I a type of guy if I was intense? And I was like, you know, I, I said, you know, I kind of tried to keep it loose because I needed to bring it back a little bit. But, you know if I was out walking around, uh, too intense, you know, I kind of wanted to loosen it up a little bit, whatever. Anyhow, it sounded just like I dropped an F-bomb. Like it was, it sounded like <laughs> I was like, if I was fucking around, you know, too intense. And, uh, I had like three or four people text me. They're like, dude, you just totally dropped the F-bomb on live radio. And I was like, no, I didn't. Well, that's kind of on them too. They have a delay. Like that's their job. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all good. I, I mean, they, it was funny. Cause when I got off, I was like, Hey, uh, did I drop an F bomb? You know, because I do tend to cuss quite a bit. So I shit. I mean, it could have happened. And uh <laughs> they were like, no, no, you didn't, but I know exactly what you're what they're talking about when they thought you did, because I went back and listened to it and I was like, man, it does kind of sound like I dropped an F bomb, but I didn't. So needless to say, I went ahead and dropped one now. And uh I think we're good now for this one. Yeah, you're allowed to say whatever you want on this show. We're not gonna <laughs> censor you. Yeah, you're you're allowed to say whatever you want to one time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Podcasts, the glory of podcasts. You can get away with a lot more stuff at least. Yeah. Sweet. So HBO. you're, you're in Texas right now. Yeah. I'm actually in Houston right now. Uh, I'm actually uh, sitting in my uh, home office. Just uh, okay. got some uh, MLB network on right now, trying to catch up on what's going on and uh, trading some fuel right now in uh, Mexico and stuff with the government. So yeah. All right, those are two, those are two very different things going on. <laughs> well, you know, hey, actually, there's a little go hand in hand. You know, a lot of these guys okay. like baseball, and um, yeah. you know, especially with some of the countries that I'm selling product to down in South America, you know, they like the baseball. They do. Yeah. Are you so you're a big hunter too, right? It, yeah. Why does it seem like every pitcher is a, is also a hunter that's in Texas at some point? I, you know, I don't know. I, I, th- I feel like you're actually like you're kind of correct in like that assessment because um, <laughs> it seems like everybody that I played with that was a pitcher, they were like uh, they were hunters. You know, a lot of them were outdoors. Now, I don't know. I don't know. If, but uh, maybe that's the cerebral side of it. I mean, who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I do. A, I, I, I like I'm a serial hunter, man. I, um, you know, I take my kids out uh, hunting with me all the time. We spend a lot of time out on the ranch. Uh, I got a place. Uh, two ranches here in Texas. And then I actually, I got a hunting uh, lease out in California, which is epic. It's up there by um, Palomar Mountain. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're up there quite a bit whenever I'm in San Diego. When I'm here, the kids are out at the ranch, you know, just playing around, doing stuff outside. And um, 
you know, it's, it's kind of how I grew up. I grew up doing this and, you know, we, we pretty much eat everything that we harvest, you know, don't buy a lot of food at the store type situation, but, you know, take a lot of, uh, do a lot of charity events and charity hunts and shootouts and stuff like that with, um, you know, a lot of the veterans cause you know, I'm on the board of a, a charity here called the Texas team foundation. And then when I was in San Diego, we did the seal future fund, which, uh, was, you know, like transitioning Navy seal guys into uh, civilian life and, and assisting with some of the transition process and utilizing a lot of the skills that they have in the business world, because it, you know, it plays. And, um, you know, here in, in Texas, we're dealing with a lot of the first responders and, you know, just trying to assist the families where, you know, something tragic happens to the uh, husband or the wife or the mom or the dad, uh, you know, we kind of stand post and uh, help pick up some of the pieces. And so we do a lot of that here. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys, we take out hunting and we do, uh, you know, charity hunts for um, majestic outdoors and, and stuff like that down in South Texas, you know, giving scholarships to inner city youth. And yeah, man, just kind of kind of cool stuff. That's really cool. Uh, you got a lot of things going on, a lot of charity events. Um, sounds like that keeping active. Like to hear that. What are you mostly hunting? You say you're living off the land. So what do you? I guess what are you eating then? Well, what, you know, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. We absolutely go to Albertsons. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, but like, as far as meat and stuff like that, you know, it's a lot of venison. Um, okay. You know, that's pretty much primarily like the staple of my diet. Um, you know, we'll buy chicken and stuff like that at the store, and obviously, I'm not going out into Dutch Harbor and catching salmon and bringing it home. But, you know, like if we're going to do fish, we'll, we'll go to the store, but you know, anything that's red meat and, uh, you know, it's all, it's all pretty much harvested at the ranch. We need to get some clay Hensley beef jerky products out there. Dude, I, I, would, I, got I, would buy that. I got plenty of it, man. I got freezers full of beef jerky. I would love to, uh, put on a uh, clay's cuts or something stupid Ooh, on it. Yeah. <laughs> clay's cuts. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, so, Let's circle, let's circle to baseball a little bit. I mean, we got hunting, we got some other stuff, but some, some baseball's happening. It's the playoffs, you know, the Padres, the, the Padres are in the playoffs. You no. were on the last Padre team to make the playoffs. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, um, dude. It's crazy to think about whenever you're thinking like 14 years, um, serious drought. Right. And, um, you know, it's good to see them back. It's good to see them back in it. You know, there's a lot of question marks, um, about whether it's, I don't know, you know, like the short, the, the shortened season and, the, you know, does it, um, you know, does it really like, is it validated and all that? But at the end of the day, you know, look, it is, it's uh, everybody's dealing with the same uh, parameters, you know, under this, you know, 2020 COVID season and all the adjustments Major League Baseball had to make. So it's good to see him back in it, man. It was um, disappointing on that game yesterday a little bit, but, uh, you know, shit, they got to put that behind them and, uh, and move forward for today's game. Yeah, that's today. that's today, right? That is today. It's going to be yep. at four o'clock Pacific time. Yeah. So, um, it's. I mean, they're getting they're getting good coverage. I think that's the prime time slot you want to be in. I know the Dodgers are after that, but no one's watching that on the East Coast. And these no. games have been so long. They've been like three and a half, four hours for a nine inning game. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's kind of how. I, I think they they've they've kind of made a lot about um, you know speeding up the game and stuff like that. And they always seem it seems like it falls on the pitchers shoulders like they kind of keep telling us to to kind of you know whether it's running out there from the bullpen or in between pitches but you know nobody ever talks about the guy stepping out and pulling the garcia para with the 15 switches uh. on the bat gloves and stuff but you know th- look playoff baseball uh you know in, in a situation where the fans are there like when they're in the stadium and it's packed out 
uh, three and a half, four hour game is, is legit, right. From a fan standpoint, I think from, uh, the cardboard cutouts right now and it not being the same, it's probably, yeah, it probably seems a little, little long. Yeah. Especially, yeah, they've, they've tried so many things to make the game go quicker and there's, they're really limited to what they can do with the, with what the pitcher and the catcher are going to do. And in ESPN, I think is also a big problem with the, the length of commercials, yeah, uh, I, I don't know what else they can do. If, if it's ESPN is going to be doing two and a half minute commercials between innings, then how can you make the game any shorter? Right, right. And, you know, it's funny you brought that up because I didn't even really think about that. I remember um, like in between like I'm ready to go. Right. And, and it, it, say it's in between innings and, you know, they're at commercial and stuff. And I have the umpire kind of holding me up. Uh, that was always a little frustrating. Yeah, it, it's got to be weird as a player because, you know, him holding you up is paying your bills you know like that's the whole you're getting at that, that money yeah. from the advertisements but at the same yeah. time you want to play and you don't want to be like at the at mercy of commercials yeah it's ridiculous yeah yeah i mean i mean it's kind of like um i mean look it, it could be it could be worse right so it's like you yeah know, if that's the if that's the worst that i gotta deal with when i'm out there throwing um you know so be it you know i'd rather deal with that than looking over my shoulder giving up two run bombs or something <laughs> Well, this would never happen, but let's say there's a scenario where you had to wear a uniform that was covered in advertisements, or we could just skip a whole bunch of these commercials and just have constant action on the, on the television, at least, which one would you prefer? Um, is a, I guess from a fan's perspective, well, there, there's two perspectives here. So the fans entertainment value watching on TV, we don't have as many commercials or is the player you've got to wear six patches on your sleeve. Uh, you know, I don't think the patches and all that would, wouldn't bother me that much. I think it'd probably take a little getting used to, um, obviously, I mean, you feel like you're, you know, on the professional bass fishing tour or something like that, but you know, yeah, like, pro uh, shops, yeah, get you on, yeah. the, on the back label there. Yeah. I mean, they're covered in, uh, covered in, uh, sponsorships, but at the same token too, um, you know, when you start getting into like playoff baseball, like think about this, you know, with even like kind of equated to the Super Bowl, And I think it's something that baseball should probably think about is, you know, the commercials. The commercials is kind of half the reason you watch, you know, the Super Bowl and, and football. I wish they kind of did a little bit of that maybe during playoff runs to make it more uh, engaging for those for those breaks. Because in reality, I think with just the TV and, and all the advertising and, and sponsorship and money that pours in from these networks, um, they're absolutely going to maintain these commercials. Where do you fall on the spectrum of old school versus new school in baseball today? I, I, you know, I, I would hate to say that I'm old school uh, because I don't feel like I'm that old, but um, I am, man. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I don't like, I didn't like the direction, uh, how, how uh, it was, baseball was going in terms of just the statistical nature. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand it's a game built around statistics and all that stuff, but, you know, it was getting a little bit out of hand. I mean, when you start talking about spin rates, uh, of pitches and, and and all that stuff when it's it's kind of to me it's just like you know it's it's kind of overboard you know what I mean I, I feel like it's kind of like you cannot just you can't uh, quantify like you know the size of the lack of a better word cojones that a pitcher has you can't factor that in a computer you know you don't you can't factor in what a guy's gonna do with bases loaded uh, with no outs when uh, it's nut cutting time. Um, but you know, you, I don't think spin rate is going to be a metric or, or what a guy's, uh, uh, uh metrics, I guess, so to speak are, you know, to get out of situations like that. And that's one of the things that I, I just didn't, I was like, man, it's just getting a little too statistical in nature. 
I think you can stick with the basics and still, you know, be able to uh, gauge what a player is or what he's worth to a ball club or, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, overall, uh, I just I didn't like all the rule changes, to be honest with you. I, I, I liked being able to uh, have a guy get taken out at second. You know, it was kind of part of the game. And, you know, we would police it if it was a little out of line. Um, taking a guy out at home, all that stuff. You know, I was actually there when Buster Posey got trucked. I was playing for Florida at the time. I mean, it was a hard hit, but look, it's just baseball. And, you know, I just, I think we're kind of getting away or padding it a little bit too much, to be honest with you. And honestly, I think all these, uh, these, these metrics is probably what's a big piece of slowing down the game. You know I mean? Going to the video and all that. I know they didn't do it this year, but, um, all that slows down the game. And I know they're trying to engage the fans, but it's just, I don't know. I don't like the direction that it's going with that. I hope they kind of pull back off of it. I, I agree with you on a lot of that stuff. I think the there was a huge intelligence gap between, you know, when Moneyball first started and where right. we're at now. So the, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's good for the game that we've gotten smarter and that we're identifying players and values that were not being taken advantage of properly. It's been great for baseball, but I also think, yeah, I think you need to fall somewhere in the middle with realizing that these aren't computer program players and that they're real humans and that there are a lot of intangibles in baseball that go along with what they, you know, generate in the, in the lab, the laboratory with their spin rate. I think, I think you're right on with that. The one part where I wanted to disagree a little bit is I think getting, uh, that play at the plate taken out has been really good for baseball. Second base, so? second base, I'm not so sure about. Um, I, I get that the hard slides, a bit, those were a huge, and one player gets hurt. Chase Utley was a terrible play. But, you know, what, does one play deserve to take that out? Right. I don't know. But the catcher, right. the catcher is so vulnerable. It, it's like a quarterback getting blindsided. He's not looking at the runner. He is just fr- a free target, and he has no way to defend himself. I think... You know, to protect you know, the guy's yeah, health. Yeah, I agree with you, you on know. that. I, yeah, I protect, agree. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to I was just gonna f- finish up and say to protect his health as a guy who's um, just out there on, on an island by himself is uh, one thing that I'm happy they did. No, you know, and, and as you're kind of talking about it, you know, it's fair. You know, I, I say that, you know, I don't like that rule, uh, the rule change, but I'm also not the one getting trucked, right? I guess if yep. I get hit, I'm probably like, <laughs> I'm probably like, you know what? We should probably change this. But, you know, look, if, if there was going to be something that did stick or or if I, you know, had the ability to change it or or keep something that, you know, the, that's probably that's probably safe to say that you're probably you're, you're correct in saying that, you know, I mean, he is a vulnerable. It is a vulnerable, vulnerable position. Um, you know, I just I, I do like the old school way of playing. But if there was going to be something that was protected, some of the guys that, you know, that I'm fine with that. Bat flips is a pitcher. Are you drilling a guy next time he's up if he, he bat flips you? Um, you know, it just depends. You know, a lot of it, like, look, Barry hits off a taco 755 and bat flips it. Yeah, you got to let him do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, if you have a rookie come in and, and bat flipping you, it's just like that's 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 part of the game that, you know, that I was not uh, too fond of whenever, mm-hmm. you know, when I played, but also whenever, uh, more so when I was getting towards the end of, uh, end of my career and coming out of the game, it just got, you know, everybody was getting very dig me, uh, the, you know, the professionalism of acting, you know, like you'd been there before and, and, and being professional in the sense of like, you know, hit, if you did hit a home run, act like you've hit one before, you know, Hoffy 
gave me a great piece of advice, um, you know, when I was a rookie and, you know, as I was, you know, playing for San Diego and, you know, starting off and having some decent seasons, um, you know, he was just like, you know, don't ever, you know, show emotion in the sense to where you possibly might show somebody up, you know, like sometimes you can't apologize for passion. Don't get me wrong, but he's like, you know, I don't ever want to turn on the TV or ever look up on a TV and see you coming off the field, uh, you know, with, with some sort of like hardcore, you know, just like, like they do it, like pretty much everybody does now when they punch somebody out. And, and so it's like, he's like, I want to see you come off the field. And I, I don't want to be able to tell if you just gave up five runs or if you just punched out the side. And so I really tried to stick with that and stay like that because at the end of the day, you know, I mean, that I, when it's all said and done, I, I didn't want anybody to say like, you know, like, oh man, that guy used to always piss me off because, you know, he would show me up on the mound, this or that. I mean, the game is a very humbling game. So, you know, I just never, I, I didn't play that way. And I, I don't like that um, some of these younger guys are doing that now. And I think it's a little bit more accepted these days. Uh, and it's part of the game, but it's probably one of the aspects that I'm not too fond of. Paddock's a little bit of a fiery guy on the mound. And we, we saw that mostly, I think, last year when he first came up. And this year, I don't know, maybe it's because he hasn't been pitching as well, but I haven't seen as much of it. Uh, what do you think is wrong with him right now? I, I just keep hearing fastball command, fastball command. He's leaving pitches up. What are you seeing from, I don't know, your perspective? Why is Paddock struggling so much this season? Well, I mean, he's lucky he, whenever, uh, I mean, he got ambushed, right? And the, the reason he got ambushed was because it's his ball is, is very straight. Um, you know, that's kind of like, if you're going to have a straight pitch, uh, straight, you know, four seam fastball type pitcher, um, even if you're bringing some, uh, bringing some heat, man, you got to be able to change speeds for strikes at any given count. You know, if his changeup is going to be somewhat of the equalizer on something that's that straight, um, you know, you need to have enough confidence in it to where you can throw it. Oh, oh, you can throw it at a four strike at almost at any given time, because if you ever get behind and uh, your fastball is that straight, then they're just going to sit on it, which they did yesterday. I mean, they touched them up, you know, I think within 16 pitches, um, you know, they scored most of their runs. So it's like it's a it's belt high. I mean, it, it, he, he's leaving the ball up. Um, you know, he's probably, he's probably trying to do a little bit too much. And usually that's what happens whenever you're leaving the ball up, you know, either overthrowing or you're trying to strike the guy out on a fastball on one pitch. And, um, you know, it's part of the growing pains, unfortunately, um, for him, you know, it was, it was, uh, something that was, uh, I guess learned, uh, in the playoffs, which is, you know, right now we need to win the games. It sucks that, you know, the big midseason acquisition, Mike Clevenger, is not available right now. It sucks that right. Nelson Lamette had the same same kind of weird biceps injury. What, as a pitcher, what do you know about that type of injury? Well, it, you know, it's kind of like, um, I guess, bicep tendonitis. And um, you know, honestly, when you if you if you get tendonitis, um, especially like bicep tendonitis or tendonitis in the forearm, it feels like a tear. Um, and it, it's it's one of those things that you're not going to be able to work through. Uh, it, it just requires rest. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate because, you know, those moves were made uh, in the hopes of, uh, you know, getting to the playoffs, which they did, and utilizing those trade pieces. And now that uh, San Diego is not going to be able to use those, um, you know, I think there is a little bit of um, scrambling there and, and try to see how they can patch it up and, and try to get through the day. If you're on this team right now and you just lost your potentially for the whole postseason, these your two best pitchers, are you – playing with house money right now are you thinking 
okay, no one expects anything from us now. We've been a great team all year. Um, let's go fucking win this thing. Or let's say they let's say they lose today and like their hearts are ripped out. We had this team coming in that we expected to be here and it, we we kind of got screwed. Next well, year I mean, it's kind of like the, you know I don't I don't think that the 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 mindset is like, you know, hey, we've played well all year and um you know, we lost two of our biggest pieces, so we're playing them with house money, so let's, you know, nobody's expecting. I, I still think there's a high expectation, not only from okay. the front office, you know, the fans probably are expecting them to do something as well, um, you know, with the understanding of, like, they did lose their two big pieces, but, you know, for sure the players are like, hey, we just got to keep going, you know, it, it, we have to pick them up, we have to pick up that slack, and that's part of being a team. Does that kind of soften the blow if they were to lose this opening series? Or maybe... The, the next series, if they get to the Dodgers and they go in without their two best pitchers, does that soften the the, lo- the loss any any bit? Not 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 at all. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's still going to be tough to swallow uh, whether you had those two or you don't, because um, uh, of how important you know getting to the playoffs after a fourteen year drought is for San Diego. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of like shifting from the front office uh, from multiple GMs. Uh, trying out certain things from uh, at the big league level, pulling out uh, new draft cards and all this stuff. So I think from a from a, the brass standpoint, man, they like they want to make it happen now. Unfortunately, they may be uh, bitten by the injury bug at the wrong time, which is something you can't control. But you just gotta uh, you gotta maneuver and mitigate it and try to pick it up and go with what you got. What would you expect from this new? I mean, there's been so many moves this year, but what do you expect from the club? next year well i I think that they found a good nucleus on this man and uh there's some young exciting players some young pitchers that are that are showing some promise um i think getting in the playoffs if they don't um you know if they end up losing whether it's uh you know this round or the next uh or you know going all the way who knows i mean there's been there's been crazier things that have happened um I, I think that one of the things they got to benefit from this playoffs is that there may not be a lot of expectation on the other side, which is something they could take advantage of. But I think moving into next season, if they could try to keep this team together for the most part, it would be a team that's been to the playoffs, uh, that knows what it's like. And so now that they've got a taste of it, and playoff baseball, man, is like being a kid again. It's so much fun. And, you know, you actually have an opportunity to where – you know, during the season when it was a full season of 162 games and you get to the playoffs, it's like, man, we're literally games away from, you know, doing the, the unthinkable. So getting that taste for uh, such a young ball club with so much talent, I think would be huge for them next year if they could keep everybody or most of the team together. You were on, what, one playoff team, that 06 team? 05-06. 05-06. In San Fran in 12. Oh, come on. Same friend. <laughs> so you, you get a ring? I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with the Giants. You and you and Boach just breaking our hearts. Going Man, to San I'll Francisco. tell you what. So I was originally drafted by San Fran, and um, I got traded to San Diego a year later for Matt Herges straight up. Yeah. And I was an A-ball at the time. But, you know, I came up with Boach. I knew Boach a long time. And, you know, we, we were hunting buddies and fishing buddies in the offseason and stuff. And I knew his son very well, Greg good friend of mine uh lives there in san diego now he was up in san fran for a while but when i was with uh florida and then i hit my free agency there um he called me up and he's like hands come on up man let's go win a world (laughs) series and i was like all right man let's do it and sure as hell we did it 
Oh man, you why? I mean, at the end of your career, you you started to sputter a little bit, but before you retired, I thought you had some good years in the in the middle there. And as a reliever, I thought you kind of redefined yourself. Did you? Why'd you decide to retire at the age you did? It was still pretty young. Well, so you know, it was honestly, um, I, I've seen so many people throughout the years, kind of like just keep trying and keep trying, and and so I my elbow kind of started crapping out a little bit and that was kind of leading to some of some of the struggles I was having. Um, and I could have probably gone back and had surgery, but then I would have came back and maybe had a year or two. And honestly, at the time, um, my kids were starting school, uh, you know, and I, I would just was like, since nothing was really guaranteed after surgery, um, you know, I didn't feel that it was probably worth it. You know, I was kind of like looking back on things and I was like, you know what? Uh, you know, I'm three foot two, you know, I pitched in the big leagues longer than I ever thought I'd pitch, um, you know, won a world series and, uh, you know, had a blast and, and, you know, I just, I think it was just time, you know, and honestly, I just, I, I put down the chips and, uh, was able to walk away from the game, like, you know, left it all out on the field. Um, you know, and I just didn't want to have a foot in my back on the way out and end up being bitter and hating the game that I've loved my whole life. And, you know, it's been good because I've had the opportunity to do uh, TV stuff after, and it's kind of kept me involved, you know, at arm's reach just enough, you know, as, as much as I'd like to be right now. And um, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the, the next phase, man. I just kind of want to go out and continue to kick ass in life and try to do something good and, and, and try to do good for others. Eventually, everybody's got to quit. Uh, knowing when to quit is really hard. So I, I respect your decision. It's really I admire you being able to know, you know, when the time was right for you. That's that's cool. I appreciate that, man. It was, it was awesome. You know, like I said, I, I kind of was just like, you know, Matt, Matt Williams was the manager of uh, Washington at the time when I retired. And he's like, man, I just want you to know uh, if, if you decide to go and hang it up. And I didn't, I didn't give up a run that spring training as a matter of fact, hey. he was oh, like, Brad, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, you know, honestly, Matt, you know, I'm like willing these guys right now to get out. You know, I'm not really putting anybody away. And I feel like, honestly, I'll probably blow out in a couple of weeks and, I don't want to hamstring you guys on a, on any kind of salary. Cause I knew at the time Washington was trying to make a push. Um, and he was like, look, I've seen you play for a long time. Uh, you know, I was over there in Arizona whenever you were in San Diego for the forever. And he was like, you got some of the biggest set of balls out of anybody I've seen pitch, man. And I just want you to know, you got the respect of everybody that I know and everybody around here, if you decide to hang it up. And that's kind of, that was kind of it for me. I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. That's cool. We the, the the only we don't talk to a ton of former players here, but one of the guys we talked to a while back was Matt Antonelli, who was a big time prospect in the Potters organization. Yeah. And I think, yeah, did you guys overlap at all? Do you know? Do you remember him? He was he, like he was kind of getting a little bit of taste when I was there, uh, but uh, we never really played a significant time together. Where, what's he doing? He's uh, back east in Massachusetts, doing some kind of baseball. Um, like camp training stuff for, for youth players. So he's having a good nice. time. Yeah. yeah man. We, were, we were talking to him about uh, his time to quit. Cause his career was a lot quicker than yours. And, um, you know, came up, did his thing, got one home run, which he, he proudly, you know, lets everybody know about. And then, uh, you know, it was really unfortunate. He probably had a chance to latch on somewhere else was like, you know, this isn't working. I had some injuries. His, his something was wrong with his arm. He's right. like, you know, just had to, had to bow out gracefully before, you know, trying to, be the 32 year old player still in the minors, you know, that at some point you got to just call it. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's it too. You know, I mean, for some of these guys, 
you know, I mean, kicking it around in the minors and stuff, and you start getting married and having kids, you know, uh, at some point, you know, you start to look at the kids and realize, you know, what's important. And, um, you know, for me, I was, <clears throat> you know, blessed enough to where I was able to play long enough to where I was able to kind of do things on my own terms when I retired. And that was kind of, that was kind of pretty, pretty good for me. Uh, you know, in terms of just where I guess maybe the, the thought of retiring or being able to retire, uh, kind of on my own terms, that transition was a little bit easier. I had some things going on off the field with business investments and stuff that I was doing where, you know, the transition from, um, I guess an income standpoint wasn't too, uh, too much of a, I guess, shock, you know, I didn't have that, that oh shit moment, you know, I, I kind of started preparing for a lot of that stuff years before I retired because I didn't want to have that. And, uh, you know, then just trying to stay the course with business and stay busy, you know, after the game. It's awesome. All right. Well, Clay didn't want to take up too much of your time today. It's a busy baseball day. So, uh, we'll let you get out of here, follow him on Twitter or, you know, do you do any other kind of social stuff you want people to? Yeah. Yeah. No. So, I, you know, I got Instagram and stuff, you know, I do a lot of stuff with sponsorship on hunting, uh, okay. uh, hunting companies and stuff. And then, um, you know, a lot of the charities and you'll, you'll see a lot of the pictures of the kids and stuff we're doing, uh, you know, just kind of, I guess, life for, uh, for the Hensleys here. But, um, yeah, Twitter, you know, I, I've, I've just started to re-engage with Twitter. You know, I, I didn't really do a lot of it, but, um, since we're kind of getting some of this stuff pick up with, uh, whether it's radio or even getting into TV again next year, um, you know, I got to get back on the social media train. So yeah, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. We don't, we don't do a lot of social stuff. Or I, I don't, um, I have never been a big social guy, but you're, you're on Twitter at C Hensley 32, uh, yep. follow him there. Instagram, you know, is it, is it the same handle? What, what do you got? I, I think it's clay dot Hensley at Instagram. I think people will like your, your content. If you start putting out content, I think people will listen. All right, cool, man. Well, maybe you help me out with that. We'll both kind of get re-engaged with this social media stuff. <laughs> try. Love talking to you, Clay. Appreciate the time. And uh, we'll try to get you back on again later. Hey, anytime, brother. All right. Thank you, Clay Hensley. Good stuff. Loved Clay. So thank you all for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account at Friar Farmhands. And if you enjoyed, if you didn't enjoy, just subscribe. Just want the the downloads. We're on all your favorite platforms, I hope. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. Also, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. That's on Twitter. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to the Believe and Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I am Ryan Hart for Dodger Dustin and Clay Hensley. We'll talk to you all next week. Just move on toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. Yeah, man. Where's your place at in San Diego? Uh, so I'm in North County. I'm over like, uh, you know, like a Levenhain. Levenhain. I don't, not familiar. It's in between uh, Rancho Santa Fe and Carlsbad. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's off uh, Rancho Santa Fe Road back there. Um, kind of quiet back there, so it's kind of cool. I enjoy it. Man. Yeah. Uh, do you do you hang out the the inn at Rancho Santa Fe a lot? So uh, yeah, I'm, I actually I play a lot of golf out there at the golf club. Um, I'm a, I'm a member over at the farms, and um, so yeah, I'm out in that way quite a bit. I got a lot of friends that kind of live out there, so I spend most of my time out there. 
I, I asked that because uh, I was at a wedding there a few years ago. One of my best friends lives in Rancho Santa Fe, and they were getting married at the end. And we All ran right. into we ran into you. <laughs> oh, did you end. really? Yeah. <laughs> Who was it that got married? My friend Austin Lyman. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember that man. I'm, shit, half the time when I'm at the Rancho Santa Fe Inn, I'm kind of oiled up pretty good. <laughs> you had some. Yeah, you had some beverages that night. Yeah. <laughs> so so did we. Good. It was a good time. That's cool, man. Cool. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.